You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Okay, so we've been talking about living victorious, amen? And we're going to give you, this is the last, um, the last part of the series, and the, the, I, I say they're all important. They are all important. We talked about overcoming victimhood, and we talked about God's love, and then we spent two weeks talking about relationship with God just through developing some spiritual disciplines, as we talked about. But there's one thing that's interesting that I've, I was thinking back, and I can't, I know I have, but I can't recall a particular time when I talked about this specific topic in all of my years of ministry, I've mentioned it a lot, but I've never taught on it. And so as we were just talking about how we wanted to do this, you know, it really came to my understanding that basically everything about all of the ministry we do, including leading people to the Lord, I'm not, when I say we do, I don't just mean uh, Liz and I, I mean all of what we do. There is one thing that causes it to be potent. There's one thing that causes it to be effective, and that is the anointing. And the anointing, and we're going to get into this, the anointing is what breaks the yoke of bondage. And when a, when a non-believer is in a place to where their eyes are blinded to the light of the glorious gospel, what they need is for their eyes to be opened up. And what causes their eyes to be opened up is the gospel, but it's the gospel being brought through the anointing. And so the word talks about, you know, the word Christ means anointed one. And so Jesus, of course, Jesus speaks to the natural side of that person, Jesus, the the man's side. I'll say it like that, the man's side, whereas Christ speaks to his deity. And when you're talking about Jesus Christ, you're talking about the anointed man or, or the man that was anointed. And so he was anointed by God. And it's interesting because the word Christian or Christians, it was used three times in the New Testament, and it basically was used to describe those little Christs, those little anointed ones, meaning the ones that ran around and they were acting just like Jesus, all anointed and stuff. And so for us, so for back then, they didn't use it as a, I'm a Christian. They were called that by other people, almost in a derogatory sense. But for us, we wear it as a badge of honor. We're Christians. We're like Christ. But to be really, truly like Christ means that we are anointed. And so it's not enough to just know that you are anointed. You have to learn how to draw from the anointing. Because if you have something deposited into your spiritual bank account that you can't reap from, then it's not doing you any good. So today we're going to talk about the anointing, and we're also going to talk about how to be able to draw from the anointing that God has given us. So um, we're going to get, I'm going to give you three definitions of the anointing. I'm going to give you the Greeks, the, the Greek um, from the Strongs, the Hebrew from the Strongs, and then I'm going to give you Kent's definition, which is a culmination of both of those. So the Greek... Um, This is the Greek definition of the word anointing or anointed. It's through the idea of contact to smear or rub with oil, uh, to consecrate to an offer or religious service to anoint. The Hebrew uh, definition is to rub with oil, that is to anoint by implication to consecrate, also to 
uh, paint. And the idea of, of painting something is that it becomes visible. It, change, it changes um, the surface of that thing that you're looking at. Well, here's Kent's definition. I pull both of these together. To impart power uh, at a noticeable level by means of the smearing of the oil of the Holy Ghost for the sole purpose, purpose of accomplishing heaven's supernatural assignment that can only be accomplished supernaturally. And so we have a supernatural assignment from God. You know, it's too big for us to reach the whole world. It's not too big for us to believe to reach the whole world, but it is too big for us to do it. You know what we need? We need the anointing. We need the smearing of the Holy Spirit to empower us, to cause us to be able to do the thing that God has called us to do. Amen. Hallelujah. And so here's the thing is that the anointing is something that's very, um, it's very important to the Lord. And let's pull up Psalm 105, Psalm 105, and we're going to read verses 12 through 15. And this verse has been so misused and so abused. I'm going to set it straight, but there's also a really great important point that I want to, I want to bring out of this. You know, you ever heard the term like, don't touch God's anointed? You guys ever heard that before? Usually it's in reference to the guy in a pinstripe suit who thinks he's above everybody else, and it's like, don't, don't touch me. I was even at a service one time, and you would, if I said this, nearly everybody in this person would know, everybody in here would know who this person is. I was at a service one time, and the, the, um, the worship was going on, but the leader of that particular service, extremely well-known, um, which is kind of like I, I gleaned from this person at, at a distance, but they're extremely well-known, and I was at one of the, the services, and the last song he literally comes down from a spiral staircase to the platform and sits and waits for everyone else to get done worshiping, and then he gets up and does his ministry. Now, the ministry he has, the, the, the anointing, if you want to say it like that, that he carries is, in, is incredible. I mean, he has reached hundreds and thousands of people. But I saw something when I saw that. I saw that he was separating himself from the people. And it comes back to this idea of like, don't touch God's anointed. For me, for a, a minister to ever not come in and worship the Lord with the saints, it, it could be looked at as that he's separating himself out to almost be on the level of Jesus. We're on the level of Jesus in the sense that we've been seated with him and we are, we are a, a, a brother to Jesus because he was the firstborn among many brethren. And we have been anointed in the sense that he's been anointed, but there is only one object of worship and it is no man except for the man Christ Jesus. So when it comes to like not touching God's anointed, ministers should be people of the people. All ministers are called to shepherd in some sense, whether they're pastoring or they've got some other kind of ministry. It's about, it's about helping people. And if you don't smell like sheep, you're probably not a very good minister. So look here, it says, when they were few, and now this is speaking of the children of Israel. So when it talks about, he talks about like, don't harm or touch, touch God's anointed. He's not talking about um, just one person. He's talking about the children of Israel. In context, that's what we're dealing with here. It says, when they were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes, saying, do not touch my anointed ones, plural, and do, and do my prophets no harm. And so you can take from this that God cares about the anointing and he cares about the anointed ones. 
And there is, there is a place. I've been in, in situations where I felt like I needed to protect the anointing that was on me, but not because I'm something special, but because I was trying to protect what God was, was wanting to do in that situation. And I don't have time to get into all that stuff, but I don't think that I'm anything special other than what Jesus calls me, other than what God says to me about being his son. Amen. And so we have to get this set straight. But here's the deal is that there is a protection on the anointing, on the anointed one. God care or anointed ones. God cares about his assignment being accomplished. And when I read this, I began to begin to think about in terms of who we are. And you are you're anointed by God. If you've been if you've been born again, and it's in specific, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you definitely, without a doubt, are one of God's anointed ones. You carry the anointing of the Holy One. That, that is on the inside of you. Now, you may not be operating in it, and we, and we can have times where we draw from it or we don't draw from it, but the anointing is with you. The anointing is on you. And we're going to talk about what that anointing actually is. And let me make one more point, and I know you want to jump in here with some things. Uh, in 1 John 2... Um, verses 20 and 27. We're going to pull these, these up here and look at this just to show you um, that you, you're one of the anointed ones, all right? And so in verse 20 of 1 John chapter 2, look at what it says here. So 1 John 2 and 20, it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Now, don't anyone run around here being like, I know it all. I've got the Bible says right here. In context, I don't have time to get into all of what it's talking about. I believe it's talking about in our spirit, man, that we have full revelation of who God is, and we're in the process of drawing that out. But it does say that, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you have to know, always know uh, when you're reading something in context, what it's talking about. And he, this book was written to the church. This wasn't written like if it was just written to Timothy from Paul, you might go, well, that's just speaking about Timothy because he was in the fivefold ministry. But this is actually talking about the saints. That's who John was writing to here. And then in verse 27, it says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. That doesn't mean that there's not a place for this right here to where there's teaching and instruction. Uh, but if you go on and look, it says, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it, it has taught you, you will abide in him. And so really, this is talking about the Holy Spirit, I believe, bearing witness and that he's the one that's able to, to teach you because he is the true teacher. Amen. So it's not saying that it's wrong to have teachers teach you things, but it's saying that the Holy Spirit is the one who can bear witness. And that is part of the anointing that you have from God. But know this, that you are anointed and that God protects the anointed ones. He cares about the anointed ones, and he cares about the anointing that the anointed ones carry because he cares about his commission, and he cares about us accomplishing what it is that he has for us here on the earth. So the anointing is the thing that will cause us to be in victory. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. And, you know, one thing that I love that this says that John was saying, he was talking about abiding. And, you know, sometimes we get so much into striving of how do I abide? How do I abide? How do I be one with the Lord? How do I, how do I, how do I? And this is saying that the anointing yeah. that we have received is the thing that helps us abide. So there isn't any striving in that. There's just that receiving of I am. I am anointed. I am God's chosen. I have him and he has me and therefore we are abiding as one. That takes the pressure off of us. Yeah, that's exactly right. Amen. So what is the purpose uh, of the anointing? This is a great question that we need to be able to answer. And we're going to answer this and I believe that it's twofold. 
there is a purpose for the anointing. Uh, number one, and I think that this might be the primary one, but really there's two very important points about what the anointing is for. And when you think about anointing, the reason that oil was uh, almost always involved is that it's the, the oil is a representation. And you know, oil is hard to get off. If you get oil on you, it's kind of hard to get off. And that's the goal is that when you're smeared with the oil of the Holy Spirit, it sticks with you. It stays with you. When Jesus was baptized in water, he was also baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's the same time when the Holy Spirit descended like a dove is what it says. And when the Holy Spirit came and rested on him, it says that, uh, that it remained on him. What was that? That was anointing. That was God anointing Jesus with the Holy Spirit, which we're going to get into that in just a second. But the anointing, that's why uh, oil is often used. But the oil isn't significant. What's significant is what takes place spiritually when faith is attached to it. And anointing is a spiritual substance. It is a spiritual substance. And it's incredibly important for us to understand because what God has placed in us, what he's deposited in us is substance to do the thing. It's the ability to do the thing that God has called us to do. We have an unction. As a matter of fact, if you go and look in, I think it's the, the regular King James where we just read in 1 John 2 and 20, it says that we have or you have an unction, which means ability. It means, it means the, the, the God smearing of the Holy Spirit anointing you to do the thing that he's called you to do. And I say the anointing is for two things. It's for the general call that everybody has, which is to reach the lost, lay hands on the sick, speak with new tongues. All the things that Jesus said were part of the great commandment, but it's also part of fulfilling the call that God has for your life. You are anointed to do what God has called you to do. And so we can see here, let's look in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13. We're going to bust through these verses really quick, but to really build a rapport here about the anointing. And it says in 1 Samuel 16 and 13, this is where David um, was anointed as king. It says, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. I love that. Oh my gosh. Uh, let me read it and I'll come back and say something. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. And so, you know, it was interesting here that he was anointed in the midst of his brothers. What the natural people around you will tell you, you, you that you don't have the ability to do, if God anoints you to do something, it doesn't matter what anybody says about your natural ability. It doesn't even matter what you say about your natural ability, other than it's probably hindering you from stepping into what God has for you. But the anointing causes the Spirit of God to be in you. You are anointed, so you do have Him. And the more you recognize it, the more you draw from it, the Holy Spirit rests on you, and that's where the unction comes to actually be manifest in your life. This is like when you get in the presence of God and you just start getting all tangled up with the Holy Ghost in a really good way, then you come out all wet with oil. And when you do that, miracles happen. When you do that, boldness comes over you. When you do that, you can, you can step into the thing that you've once been afraid. Suddenly, courage will rise and you'll be able to do the thing that God's called you to do. The anointing is the difference maker. The anointing changes things. Jesus had to be anointed. The, the, the apostles, the early day apostles and disciples, they had to be anointed to, to do the call that God had for them. You and I also need to be anointed. And, and it's kind of a, a twofold thing. We are anointed, which is fine to recognize that, but it doesn't do any good if you don't draw from what it is that you have. So how do you draw from it? Well, you go back and you spend time with the anointed one. I'm getting ahead of myself. But when we do that, that's when we come out 
all wet with the oil, the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit, and we can see miracles. I remember one time that Ron and I, and some of you had heard this story, but one time Ron and I, we went to this, uh, we went to this meeting, and there was only a handful of people there, maybe 15. We thought there was going to be hundreds, and we drove to Texas for this meeting, and there was about 15 people there, and we're like, okay, well, awesome. And so, but we, we stuck with it. We did it. And we had one, we had several nights in a row where we had meetings, and it was just powerful, man. The, the, the way, only way I can say it is like the anointing was flowing in the room. And we came out of that so excited. And uh, I said, and I just, we were going to go, it was really late. We we're going back to the hotel. And I, uh, I said, man, let's go, to, let's go to the gas station and get peanuts. And he's like, okay, whatever. Anyway, so, but we were just so excited. And we pull in there, and there's this guy waiting there to get, um, to get gas. He's got a gas can. He's trying to get some money or whatever. So we go up and start talking to him. And Ron goes and picks up his gas, his gas can, and goes and gets some gas. And so I'm standing there, and I'll just say all this as quickly as I can. Uh, I'm standing there, and I start asking the guy some questions. And he's like, I got cancer. It's all over my body. And then he, he takes, you know, he takes my, uh, my hand and he says, see, feel right there. And he had about like a large marble size knot right there. And uh, I said, you know what? I said, man, God can take care of that. I said, we're going to pray for you and you're going to be healed in Jesus name. And he just kept on whining about not having money and blah, blah, blah. And I, it's fine. I stopped and I said, whoa. I said, wait a second. You're worried about your money. You're worried about getting gas. And I'm telling you that God's going to heal you of cancer. I said, what, what are you talking about, man? And he's like, oh, okay, well, let's do that. And I said, okay, good. So I prayed for him. Ron is my witness. God is my witness. I prayed for him. And then after I prayed for him, Ron comes over. I said, here's your gas and whatever. And then Ron's like, do you know Jesus? Because <laughs> we just had oil dumped all over us. And it was just, it was going like that. And he's like, do you know Jesus? And he's like, well, and he's like, you need to get saved. So uh, the guy's like, okay. And so he prays with them and he gets born again. You know, when it talks about compelling them in, it's everything just short of hog tying them and dragging them in. You need to compel them to come in. And so he got saved. And I said, man, what's going on with your body? I kid you not. He goes just like this. And he goes, oh, oh. this is like a 50 year old grown man. Oh, oh, oh. He sounded like a little girl. He was so excited. And I said, what's going on? He said, man, that, that, lump, that lump right there is, is gone. And then he goes, well, there's just a little bit right there. And it went from, in like three, four minutes, maybe five, it went from a large marble to a BB size right there. Praise God. So then his wife gets out of the car and she comes over and she's like, what's going on over here? And, uh, and he's like, oh, my, this thing's, oh, these guys, oh, these guys prayed for me. And I just gave my heart to the Lord. And Ron goes, ma'am, have you given your heart to the Lord? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so, so then she goes, well, no. And he said, you need to get saved too. So we got them both, both saved and at least healing started in his body in a, really a miracle that took place right there. Why? It's because we had saturated ourselves in the anointing. The anointing is what causes us to have what we need to do the things God's called us to do. Hallelujah. Amen. So um, David was anointed, of course, to be king. The spirit of the Lord came upon him and he was anointed to be king. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 4, 18 through 19. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set all to set at liberty those who were oppressed, who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You know, a lot of times people will look at something like this and go, well, of course Jesus could do that stuff. He was Jesus. This is Jesus, the man, 
talking about that God anointed Jesus the man to do the things that God had called him to do. You and I are anointed of God to do what God has called us to do. It has nothing to do with our natural ability. But it is good for us to open our eyes up and say, Lord, I want that same thing. I want to operate in that same thing. If Jesus needed to be, think about this with me for a second. If Jesus needed to be anointed, if he needed to be anointed, because it says that God anointed him, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. If God, if Jesus needed to be anointed, how much more do you and I need to be anointed and to continue to draw from the anointing and draw from the confidence that comes from the anointing? So Jesus, he, he actually went and he became even more confident because he got, here's the, here's the scenario in Luke chapter four. He got baptized in water, also baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came upon him and remained on him. Then immediately the Spirit led him into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and he was tempted by the enemy. And when he came out, let me read this so I don't botch it, but when he came out, it makes this really, really important point. And it says... Uh, I don't know where it went. I'm in for it. Well, that was a lot of buildup for a total letdown right there. Uh, oh, it's before. There it is. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes, there it is. Okay. He came out of the, this is in verse 14. He had just come out of the wilderness. I have a really great point with this. Verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. Why, I mean, you got to remember, everything is written for a reason. Why did it say that he returned in the power of the Spirit? Because it was emphasizing what happened to him. And then I say this, what happens whenever we see God help us overcome, it causes confidence to rise in us. In Jesus, he went from being baptized in the Holy Spirit, then he went into the wilderness. And what did he do for 40 days? He overcame the wicked one. He overcame the evil one. How? By his own ability? No, no, no. you got to follow the timeline. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then the Spirit led him with the Spirit's leading and the Spirit's power to overcome what the enemy had brought. And when Jesus came out of 40 days of kicking the devil's butt, he was robust in his faith. He was saturated with anointing oil. And then he goes into the synagogue and says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. And so anointing comes two ways. It comes through um, proximity, and it comes from uh, going through things and seeing God help you overcome, and it comes through that confidence. That's what causes the anointing to rise, to rise up in your life. And so if you're going to be anointed with something, if I was going to take oil and anoint you, um, I wouldn't anoint you from here to the back of the room. I think I've seen some people go like that, maybe to do some anointing things, but the way the Bible talks about laying your hands on, right? Um, so it's proximity. If you were out the door, or if you were in another place, I couldn't anoint you. But the way that I would anoint you is I would come and I would lay hands on you and I would pour oil on you. Who is the anointed one? It's Jesus. How do you get the anointing of Jesus? You get in close proximity with him and allow his anointing to be poured on you from him personally. So the first thing that we said here, and do you have anything you want to say about this being set apart here? <laughs> Number one reason, purpose for anointing is to set apart, to be set apart to accomplish God's work. 
And, you know, I love Luke 4, 18. It says the spirit of the... This is something that we all need to take and take ownership of and proclaim and speak and speak it and speak it and speak it till it gets on the inside of us. If we want the boldness, they didn't pray for boldness. They acknowledged who God was on the inside of them. And because they acknowledged who God was and what they saw, he could do then they they had empowerment to go and continue to do the work of the ministry and so when we say the spirit of the lord is upon me and he has anointed me the spirit of the living god is on on the inside of me and he has anointed me when we keep we have to encourage ourselves we have to tell ourselves in the physical natural who we are in the spirit we have to um partner with what god says how better than to say what jesus said if jesus had to say it how much more do we have to say it the spirit of the lord he is upon me and he has anointed me what has he anointed me to do to preach the gospel gospel. he has sent me he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So anytime you don't feel a, a sufficient in yourself, good. That is That's good. Right. In right. our weakness, guess what? He is made strong. And when we don't feel sufficient in and of ourselves, that is then when we have to go where? We have to go get in close proximity of who? The one who has all sufficiency. Because when we get close to him, then guess what? We have all sufficiency, not because of us, but because of him. And it becomes so easy to proclaim and preach the gospel to lay hands on somebody and say, guess what? You're going to be healed. Do you know why you're going to be healed? Because the anointed one is upon me. And he has said, I am sending you to preach the gospel. I am sending you to bring healing to those. And you know, all the things we, it's not us, but it is him in us. It is when we get so close to him, when we acknowledge him in all of our ways, when we say, I don't have it. I don't have it, God. He said, good. I know you don't have it, but yeah. I I have it. Yeah. And when you press into me, I will, I will make the way. Hallelujah. That's, yes. then guess what? That takes all the pressure off of you. Amen. It takes all the pressure off of you. He wants us to get to this place where we say, I can't do it. Yeah. But you can do it. And not only can he do it, he wants to do it and he will do it. Most of the time, he just needs us to get out of the way yeah. <laughs> so he right. can make himself known through us. Come on. Powerful. Woo. Amen. So this verse here in Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Who's with you? God is with you. What has he anointed you with? The Holy Spirit. So what do we need to do? We need to take the Holy Spirit and confidence in who we are, confidence in the, have confidence in the fact that God is with us, and we need to go and do likewise. Jesus was the perfect representation of who the Father God is, 
He was the firstborn among many brethren, meaning that there would be many more that would come after Jesus. That's you and I. We are not Jesus, but we are like him in the sense that we are anointed just like him to do the same things that he was called to do. We also are called to do those same things. But it says that he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Here's how, here's how I view it. It's bad theology to say that you need to continue to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it's also bad theology to say that once you're baptized, you don't need any more communication with the Holy Spirit. You only got to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit one time. When I see in the, in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, and by, by the way, Pentecost is not a denomination. It's, it's a scriptural thing that took place where the Holy Spirit came and rested upon them and filled them and rested upon them because they needed it. Come on. And so it's right to say that we only need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost one time, but we're supposed to continue to have interactions with the Holy Spirit in different ways so that we, it's, it's just like having a fresh oil poured on us. Amen. Sometimes, you know, your, you know, your car, you know, you kind of almost only need to fill it one time with oil, but then sometimes you need to go back and change it every three or 5,000 miles or whatever. Amen. And so that's kind of what it's like with you. You need to go and you need to allow the Holy Spirit to give you freshness. So the, the first reason that we talked about as far as the reason, the purpose for the anointing is to set us apart, and we are set apart to, to be empowered to accomplish God's work. And here's the other thing, and we're going to say this as quickly as we possibly can. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 10 and 27, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Second thing that the anointing does is it breaks bondage. It breaks, you know, a yoke is, a yoke can be one, I'll say one of two things, maybe more, but I'll give you two things. One is, is it can be, um, it could be a, some kind of sin, some kind of something like that could be a yoke of bondage. And the, <clears throat> the anointing will break that off. But it also could be a season that you're in in your life to where the Lord's saying, I want you to go from here and I want to expand you and cause you to go to something different, something bigger. I want to enlarge your territory. Uh, a couple of months ago, I gave a message, maybe it was a little bit longer ago than that, maybe three, four. I gave a message about us going from the 30 to the 60. And the Lord showed me this. It was confirmed for a couple different things about going from the 30 to the, to the 60. That is part of that is an increased measure of anointing. The anointing breaks the current level or mold that you're operating in brings you into the next, and there's a fuller and greater measure of anointing that flows in that greater place. So the anointing breaks the yoke off, and a yoke is like this. When you yoke oxen, it, it confines them to doing this thing, and the Lord has got bigger fields for us to plow. And so whatever is constraining us that should not be constraining us anymore, the anointing will break the yoke. How do you get the anointing? How do you increase in the, in the anointing? Spend time with the anointed one. When you spend time with the anointed one, it will become hard to not, it becomes impossible to not accomplish the thing that God wants you to accomplish. And it doesn't matter the roadblocks that are in the way. There is, there is no roadblock that's too big or, or sin that's too big that the Lord, that the anointing of God can't break off of your life to bring you into the thing that God's called you into. David had everything against him in the natural. David was the greatest king that Israel ever had. It says that Jesus is established on the throne of David forever. Think about that. A natural man, our Lord is seated on his throne forever. 
throughout all eternity, it will be known that Jesus was seated on the throne of David. That's an incredible thing. And when you look at that, obviously David won't be king in, in heaven. Jesus is king, amen? But there's a, lot, there's a lot about that. And one of the things that we can draw from that is the fact that if you go all the way back and look, which I just read it, but if you go and look at the story in, in more depth, David was not known amongst his brethren as be, even his own father. Even his own father didn't think enough to bring him in the lineup because Samuel got a word from the Lord and he said, you need to go to Jesse's house. Jesse was David's father. And he said, you're going to anoint one of them, one of Jesse's sons as the next king over Israel. And so he came and he said, Jesse, and it was the man Samuel was there. It was like the man. Samuel was the man. And when Samuel was there, everyone was at attention because he was the prophet at that time from God, the major voice in the nation. And so he came to Samuel's house and he said, one of your sons is going to be anointed king. So this was a tremendous privilege. And I think there was eight of them total, if my memory serves me correct. And they go and they line all of them up, all the sons. So Samuel thought, <laughs> and he goes down the line. Nope, you're not the one. 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 All the way through all of however many, seven of them. And then Samuel says, is, is there somewhere else? Is someone else? And, and you know, Jesse said, well, yeah, there's another one. <laughs> He's out there in the fields. Go fetch him. Bring him in. He's this young, apparently good-looking, uh, ruddy, as the word calls him. I don't even know what that means, reddish, I think, or whatever. I don't know. Whatever. He was this good-looking, just very, very young. And the Lord says, he's the one that I want. Nobody thought anything about David. His own family didn't. But the Lord said, I'm going to anoint Samuel. You anoint him. Samuel anointed him. It says the Spirit of the Lord remained on him. And then David went on and killed the lion he killed the bear. He might have already done it at that point, but he killed the lion. He killed the bear, and then he went and killed the Goliath, and then eventually he overcame all those obstacles and became the greatest, most victorious, also had a lot of problems, but the greatest, most victorious king that Israel ever had. Why? Because God had anointed him. Listen, when God anoints you to do something, it doesn't matter your circumstances. The anointing is always greater than any natural circumstance. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.